ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Shrimad Bhagavatam Canto 2 Chapter 9 Text 36 Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Etava Deva Jignasyam Tatva Jignasunatmanaha Anvyavyati Rekabhyam Yatsyat Saravatra Saravada Etavad Eva Jignasyam Tatva Jignasunatmanaha Anvyavyati Rekabhyam Yatsyat Saravatra Saravada Etavad eva jignasyam Tatva jignasunatmanaha Anvyavyati rekabhyam Yatsyat saravatra saravada Translation A person who is searching after the supreme absolute truth the personality of godhead most oh is an old edition it says this is spelling mistake it should be must certainly spell it's written here most certainly a person who is searching after the supreme absolute truth the personality of godhead must certainly search for it up to this in all circumstances in all space and time and both directly and indirectly i'll just check that 2936 i'm reading this verse because yesterday i was reading from the purport and i'll continue to read from the purport of this it's a very long purport and even in, even the extract that i've extracted is quite long but so many important points there continuing the theme that bhakti is independent mm so yeah continuing this attraction for material enjoyment cannot act upon the pure devotee of the lord there are hundreds and thousands of aphorisms in the revealed scriptures amaramashchamunaha Even the self-realized souls are also attracted by the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Kichit kevalaya bhaktya vasudeva parayanaha. Simply by hearing and chanting one becomes a great devotee of Lord Vasudeva. Mm. 
that seems there's something missing or mixed up here because that's that's not a translation of Kechit Kegalaya Bhaktya. This was all retyped in in the latest edition, so there may be some uh, something's got left out it seems. Nachalati Bhagavat Padaravinda Lava Nimeshadham Apiya Agrayaha. A person who does not move from the lotus feet of the Lord even for a moment or a second <coughs> is to be considered the greatest of all Vaishnavas. Bhagavad Parshadatam Prapte Matsevaya Pratitam Te. The pure devotees are convinced of attaining the association of the personality of Godhead and thus they are always engaged in the transcendental loving service to the Lord. Therefore, in all continents, in all planets, in all universes, devotional service to the Lord or Bhakti Yoga is current and that is the statement of the Srimad Bhagavatam and allied scriptures. So this is a comment on the word here Sarvatra, which means everywhere, in all continents, in all planets, in all universes, devotional service is current. And elaborating on the theme, how bhakti is universal, it's open to everyone. The largest religious denomination in the world is the Roman Catholic Church. Catholic, the original meaning of this is, it doesn't mean someone who's a member of that church, but it means, do you know what it means? You're from a Catholic family. Slovenia is a Catholic country. You're from an atheist family. Thanks to the influence of the uh, socialism, it did. The Catholic country became many atheists there also. Catholic originally means universal. With the idea, probably not many Catholics know that. Um, it's still sometimes used in that sense. You're from a Catholic family? Poland is strongly Catholic as, a, as an ongoing protest against the communism. It became associated with Polish nationalism, to be a Catholic. So it means universal, with the idea that it's open to everyone, it should be for everyone, notwithstanding their split from the Eastern Orthodox Church. Well, they had to give the name the Roman, the Roman Catholic Church because it wasn't Catholic. If it was actually Catholic, then they wouldn't need any name for it, just like in India previously, there was no word for religion. Now dharma has come to mean religion, but religion in the sense of compartmentalized religion. This is Islam, this is Christianity, this is Buddhism, this is Jainism, this is Buddhism, Sikhism and Hinduism. But there was no such idea previously. Just the word dharma is something that everyone 
follows, or if they don't follow, they're outside of the civilized human society. And he was completely integrated with every facet of life, including where you have the stove in the kitchen, where in the house is the kitchen, every aspect, what you do when you get up in the morning, every aspect of life, how you behave with different people according to different statuses. Uh, there was no separation between religion and one's life. And it wasn't that... And even though there were differing belief systems, you could, you could say that, that uh, there were Shaivas, Shauryas, Garnapatyas, Vaishnavas, Shaktas, so many different classes. But there was no idea that one religion, that there's a, one religion is different from another. So the Catholic Church, they gave the idea, it's meant to be universal, everyone should be in it. I, I guess that's the idea, but the name came. Otherwise it was just the Church. There should be no need to classify it as the Catholic Church. If, it, if there's only one Church, then it's just the Church, right? <laughs> It's supposed to be universal. So, Srila Prabhupada also often said that Krishna consciousness is non-sectarian. You may think, well, it's just a, it's another group. But it's non-sectarian because it's Atma-dharma. It is the dharma of the soul. Sanatan-dharma. It is, we may go from one body to another. We may change from one designation of religion to another. I was a Hindu, now I'm a Muslim. I was a Muslim, now I'm an atheist. You may change from one designation to another, but our intrinsic state, our constitutional position, remains the same. <clears throat> so in that way, Krishna consciousness is universal and non-sectarian and it's open to everyone. So, <clears throat> Sarvatra, the word uh, continuing in this purport, everywhere means in every part of the creation of the Lord. The Lord can be served by all the senses or even simply by the mind. It means we can by all the senses, is very clear, we can serve them with our tongue, or these that have, uh, the tongue is two functions, tasting and speaking. So it's a karmendriya and a jnanendriya. Uh, by our legs, this is given in the life of Ambarish Maharaj, Savai Mana Krishna Padara Vindriya, Vachansi Vaikunta Gunanama. You know that verse? Padohare, uh, what is it? Parohare Mandira Mar... No, no, that's the hands. Karohe hare mandira marjanadish. And chakara is shooting chakara chakara chutar. Sadkato deya. So, like this, he used all his senses. And Srila Prabhupada gives the example the South Indian Brahmana who served the Lord simply on the strength of his mind also factually realized the Lord. He doesn't give the story here. So, you're supposed to know it. You all know the story of the South Indian Brahmana who served the Lord simply by his mind. 
that's given in the Nectar of Devotion, quoted from one of the Puranas. Can anyone remember which Purana? Quoted from Samshastra. It was a Brahmana in South India. Uh, he was very poor, but he wanted to serve the Lord very nicely. He used to go to the temples and see the Lord being served very nicely. So, in one meeting, he heard, meeting means discussion of Krishna consciousness. He heard it said that one can serve the Lord in the mind and is just as good as serving him with physical paraphernalia. So he used to do this. He sa I, I believe it said he sat on the bank of the Godavari and he used to meditate. And in your meditation there's no limit to how opulently you can serve the Lord. Uh, so he had all the best paraphernalia all gold and silver and jeweled paraphernalia for worshipping the Lord and he did this for many years serving the Lord with great opulence in his mind. There was a, when he came out of his meditation it was back to being a poor brahmana with nothing. Uh, but in his meditation he served the Lord with so much opulence. One day deep in meditation he cooked sweet rice for the Lord but as he was about to offer it, he thought, oh, it's too hot, it'll burn his tongue. I should. So he just tested it with his finger. Oh, he found it was so hot. Yeah. Then his meditation was so intense that his meditation broke from the heat. He felt it as real. And then he found his finger had become burned by the heat of the sweet rice. Meanwhile in Vaikuntha, Vaikuntha Nath was, he started laughing. And his wife, Lakshmi, she said, what are you laughing about? So he didn't, and see, he went down to the bank of the Godavari, picked up the Brahmana and brought him back to Vaikuntha. So that's the story Prabhupada is uh, alluding to here. So, um, continuing this purport, success is guaranteed for a devotee who fully engages any one of his senses in the mode of devotional service. That's a, that's an, a line you can remember, key line. Success is guaranteed for a devotee who fully engages any one of his senses in the mode of devotional service. The Lord can be... This is again the Sarvatra, uh, Sarvada, yeah. always and everywhere. Uh, so, Srila Prabhupada is now bringing in the point that in, in all ways also, it's not stated here but it's understood. Sarv, sarvatra, Sarvada, Sarvata means in all ways, in all circumstances. The Lord can be served by any ingredient, even the most common commodity, a flower, a leaf, a fruit, or a little water, which are available in any part of the universe and without cost. And thus the Lord is served universally by the living entities. Of course, nowadays in the cities, you have to, if you want to have water, you have to pay for it. And flowers, you have to pay for, unless you have the luxury of having a courtyard in which you can grow some flowers, which most people in a big city like this 
They don't have that. They may just, just like here, outside the window, they may have a flower box. I don't know exactly what that's called, even in English. can't remember the name. But we find in many cities in the Western world, people, they have no space. But just outside their window, they'll put some earth like this and grow some flowers. But they don't offer them to Krishna. We can, uh, we can suggest to them that the perfection of growing their flowers is to offer them to Krishna. So, going on to the purport, he can be served simply by hearing. He can be served simply by chanting or reading about his activities. He can be served simply by adoring him and accepting him. So, bhakti is universal. So, independent in this in the sense that it doesn't depend on any material condition. One can be rich or poor, one, uh, one can engage one of the senses or all of the senses. <coughs> Bhakti is independent in the sense that uh, here the sense is given, that uh, yeah, not dependent on any material circumstance and, and uh, widely available. If it's dependent, the more something's dependent on some material circumstance, the less available it is. To uh, be employed as a uh, as an astrophysicist. It's limited, isn't it? Only people with very specific qualifications. There's that place right at the border of Andhra Pradesh with Tamil Nadu, the eastern border. What's that place? Sri Harikota? Where they have the rocket program. Hmm. So to be employed there, I mean you could be employed as a sweeper of the floor, but to be employed as a scientist there, it's very limited. You have to get so many qualifications. But to worship Krishna, you know, it's dependent upon certain qualifications. But to serve Krishna there are no material qualifications. There is the qualification that one has to be willing to do so. One can exercise one's own independence to worship Krishna or not worship Krishna. The jiva has that much personal independence. He can be served simply by chanting or reading about his activities. He can be served simply by adoring him and accepting him. In the Bhagavad Gita it is stated that one can serve the Lord by offering the result of one's own work. It does not matter what one does. Yeah, that needs a little qualification. That's a general statement, but um, one could be hired as a as a hitman for the mafia and going around and killing people on contract. Yeah, that's not the kind of thing one should be devotees should be doing. If that's your profession, it's probably better to change. Difficult to offer that in the service of Krishna, in the modern age. Of course, in a previous age, you could fight with the demons, but that's not recommended in Kali Yuga. Physically killing is not generally recommended for devotees. Even then, there may be some cases, uh, but not in general. Uh, or to be a butcher, if one is a butcher by profession. Better give it up. 
to serve Krishna. One devotee I remember in London, he was a butcher. He became a devotee. Actually, there's more than one. There was one in Germany who was a butcher by background. Became became a devotee from the most from the most horrible background to the best position. Generally, men may say that whatever they are doing is inspired by God, but that is not all. Isn't it? People like to think what I'm doing. What I'm doing is inspired by God. One should actually work on behalf of God as a servant of God. The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, Yat karoshi adashnasi yat juhoshi dadasi yat yat tapasyasi kaunteya tat karoshva madarpanam Srila Prabhupada continues. He does, uh, he, in his purport he states, Do whatever you like or whatever may be easier for you to do Eat whatever you may eat, sacrifice whatever you can sacrifice, give whatever you may give in charity, and do whatever you may undertake in penance, but everything must be done for him only. If you do business or if you accept some employment, do so on behalf of the Lord. Whatever you may eat, you may offer the same to the Lord and be assured that he will return the food after eating it himself. He is the complete whole and therefore whatever he may eat as offered by the devotee is accepted because of the devotee's love. But again it is returned as prasad for the devotee so that he can be happy by eating. In other words, be a servant of God and live peacefully in that consciousness, ultimately returning back to Godhead. It is said in the Skanda Purana, Yasya smritya chanamo tya tapo yagya kriya dishu nunang sampurna tame ti sadyo vande tamachutam. I offer my obeisances unto him, the infallible Achuta, because simply by either remembering him or vibrating his holy name, one can attain the perfection of all penances, sacrifices, or fruitive activities, and this process can be universally followed. It is enjoined. In the Bhagavatam, Akamo Sarva Akama Sarva Kamo Va Moksha Kama Udara Dihi Ti Vrena Bhakti Yogena Yajeta Purusham Param. Though a person be full of desires or have no desires, he may follow this path of infallible Bhakti Yoga for complete perfection. One need not be anxious to propitiate to propitiate each and every demigod and goddess because the root of all of them is the personality of Godhead. As by pouring water on the root of the tree one serves and enlivens all the branches and leaves, so by rendering service unto the Supreme Lord one automatically serves every god and goddess without extraneous effort. The Lord is all-pervading and therefore service unto him is also all-pervading. So bhakti is independent in the sense that it's not... It's not dependent on deity, uh, demigod worship. It's not that you, it's not that you have to worship the Lord and you have to worship Krishna and then you also have to worship this demigod and that demigod. Rather, bhakti is Vishnu bhakti is so independent that demigod worship is not required and it's also not even desirable because generally we think the demigods they'll give the result of our work, but the demigods are completely incapable in the matter of. Bhakti, in their function as material demigods, they cannot give bhakti. 
They, they can maybe give some wealth, some good health and this and that, acting as agents of Krishna. Of course, personally, they may be advanced devotees and in that sense, give Krishna bhakti. Uh, <clears throat> this fact that the Lord is all-pervading and therefore service unto him is also all-pervading is corroborated in the Skanda Purana as follows. Archite deva deva ishe shankha chakrakada dhare archita sarva deva syur yata sarvagato harihi. When the Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead, who carries in his hands a conch shell, wheel, club, and lotus flower is worshipped, certainly all other demigods are worshipped automatically because Hari, the Personality of Godhead, is all pervading. Therefore, in all cases, namely, in all cases, uh, now we'll see in the rest of the sentence this in all cases generally means in all situations. But here, Prabhupada is using the word cases, undoubtedly, almost undoubtedly quoting from the previous Acharya's comments. He's referring to grammatical cases. Therefore, in all cases, namely nominative, objective, causative, dative, ablative, possessive, and supportive. And there may be other grammatical cases also, according to the language that is being examined. Everyone is benefited by such transcendental service to the Lord. Probably we'll find in the commentaries there's some quote or some, someone has written like that. Yataha, Yasmat, and there's so many different cases. Yat. Uh, the man who worships the Lord, the Lord himself who is worshipped, the cause for which the Lord is worshipped, the source of supply, the place where such worship is done, etc. Everything is benefit, benefited by such an action. So everything becomes auspicious. Again, remember the main theme here, bhakti is independent. So this, this leads us into so many different uh, related themes. <clears throat> such that uh, generally a Brahmana is considered auspicious. But if he's not a devotee of the Lord, uh, so yes, yeah, so someone may call a Brahmana to feed him, to offer some cloth or something like this. But someone who's from a very low family and who's a Vaishnav, they're actually much more purifying. This uh, related theme, Prahlad Maharaj says that if someone is, is born in a Brahmana family, has all the qualities of a Brahmana, he's actually very gentle, learned, clean, etc. But he's averse to the service of the personality of Godhead, then someone who is a dog-eater and a devotee of Krishna is better. Because the Brahmana by birth, despite all his good qualifications, cannot even purify himself what to speak of others. Whereas the one who is 
born in a dog eater's family but who is a devotee, he purifies everything. Even during the annihilation of the material world, the process of bhakti yoga can be applied. Kalena nashta pralaye vaniyam vaniyam. The Lord is worshipped in devastation because he protects the Vedas from being annihilated. He is worshipped in every millennium or yuga. So you see, he can be worshipped in, in every yuga, even at the time of devastation, when nothing is left. Markandeya saw Krishna, baby Krishna, sitting on a banyan leaf. <laughs> so Markandeya was there to worship him. As it is said in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 12, Chapter 3, Text 52, Kriteya Dhyato Vishnam Traitayang Gajato Makhaihi Dwapare Parichayayang Kalodhadhari Kirtanat. No translation is given, it's a well known verse. So this, this is giving another sense of Sarvada. Sorry, uh, yeah, Sarvada at all times. So it means can be can maybe worshipped in the morning, the noon, or the evening, or the night, at all times. Uh, it may be one in the time of one's life, in in childhood, in youth, in manhood, in old age, and also in different times means in different yugas. He can be worshipped and should be worshipped by meditation in Satya Yoga by sacrifices in Treta Yoga, by deity worship in Dwarpa Yoga, and by Hari Kirtan in Kali Yoga. In the Vishnu Purana, it is written, Sahanis Tanmahaj Chidram Samoha Sacha Vibhramaha Yanmohurtang Shanam Vapi Vasudevam Nachintayet if even for a moment remembrance of Vasudev, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is missed, that is the greatest loss, that is the greatest illusion, and that is the greatest anomaly. So we find if someone has his house robbed, they feel, oh, so disturbed. Or someone has business losses, my shares just plummeted. Now I was rich yesterday, today I'm poor. Because my shares just lost all their... Oh, terrible, I lost everything. Oh. Accident. All the members of my family were killed. I remember when I was a kid at school, one boy at school, all, all his family went in a car. For some reason he didn't go with them. They were going on holiday or something. They all got killed in a car crash. So he was just left. So, so distressed. But worse than that, we have in the news every day so many people bombed in Syria, killed. The worst news, bad news. News generally means bad news. Isn't it in the newspapers? It's hardly ever good news or all bad news. So and so didn't think of Krishna for one moment. Terrible! Disaster! Have an emergency meeting of the United Nations. But no one thinks of Krishna even for a moment, hardly. By the mercy of Srila Prabhupada, all of us, at least sometimes, think of Krishna. We have the sadhana program, so 
we're supposed to think of Krishna. But it's a it's a terrible the worst disaster than famines and droughts not thinking of Krishna. But we're so used to it we think it's normal. That's why preaching Krishna conscious it's much more valuable than feeding poor people, opening hospitals and schools because it addresses a much greater problem. Continuing the purport, the Lord can be worshipped in all stages of life. For instance, even in the wombs of their mothers, Maharaj Prahlad and Maharaj Parikshit worship the Lord. Get a good start in life, huh? from the very beginning. Your, your wife is reciting Bhagavatam, is it? Baby should be awakened to consciousness by now. Even in his very childhood, at the age of only five years, Dhruva Maharaj worshipped the Lord. Even in full youth, Maharaj Ambarish worshipped the Lord. And even at the last stage of his frustration and old age, Maharaj Dhritarashtra worshipped the Lord. They're all kings, they're all Maharajas. Uh, Ajamil worshipped the Lord even at the point of death, and Chitraketu worshipped the Lord even in heaven and hell. Okay, now I'm going to take a detour from this purport and quote a verse which is cited in Rupa Goswami's Padyavali and also twice in Lochandash Thakur's Chaitanya Mangal, which speaks of how just like Prahlad and Parikshit and they, from the very beginning of life and then Ajamil when he was practically dead, Chittoketu, he was in heaven and he was sent to, to the hellish condition of being a demon. He continued to worship the Lord. So in this regard there is this uh, very nice verse cited by Rupa Goswami. Uh, it's an unusual meter. Let's see. So, What was the hunter's piety? He's given the name of a hunter called Dharma. There's a similar story of Mrigari, the hunter, in Skanda Purana, recounted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was a hunter. He lived by killing animals. So what piety did he have? What's the answer? Zero. Not only was it zero, but it was minus. He was very sinful, but he took to devotional service. Vyadhasya charanam. What good behavior did he have? Dhruvasya cha vayaha. What age did Dhruva have? He was just, he wasn't mature in age, he was just a young boy. Vidya Gajendrasya. Gajendra, he was an elephant, so it wasn't expected that he was a great learned pundit, although he did 
due to his previous life's worship, he remembered some prayers. But an elephant is generally a dull animal. Uh, so it wasn't that he studied in the Guru Kul or any such thing. He was an elephant. What knowledge did he have? Uh, <coughs> Kubja, what name, what, and what beauty did she have? She wasn't very beautiful. A hunchback woman will be difficult to get married, maybe married to a hunchback man. And what name did she have? It seemed that she didn't have a very good reputation either. Then Sudamno Dhanam, what wealth did Sudama have? And again the answer is pretty much nothing. If you go to see the soup you go to even taking Krishna as the king of Dwaraka, not the Supreme Lord, then if you bring him some chipped some grains of chipped rice, that's all you that's all you have to offer him. It means you really don't have Anything, and that's also just begged. So he didn't have wealth. What uh, aristocracy did Vidura have? He was born of a maidservant by a proxy father. Proxy father was Vyasa, but he was born of a maidservant. Then Ugrasena, what manliness did he have? He was imprisoned by his, he was at the whim of his own son. So he wasn't, he wasn't like, he was a kshatriya, but he wasn't up to the job. So the, the conclusion is, Bhaktya Tushuti Kevalang Nachakunaya Bhakti Priyo Madhava. Lord Madhava is pleased only by devotional service and not by material qualification. So it's, citing various instances of persons who lacked material qualifications in various ways, but by their devotion to Krishna, they were accepted by Him. From Chaitanya Bhagavat. Concerning the narration of Kola Becha Sridha, who lived in Navadvipa at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and was extremely poor, So regarding him, Kolabecha Shebokeya Dekab Bhagyashima Brahma Shiva Kandeja Dekiya Mahima. The mercy that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave to him because he had pure devotion. Even though Chaitanya Mahaprabhu offered him all the opulence in the world, but he refused it. He said, I'm quite happy as I am. Well, what do I need? I just, because even though he was just selling uh, uh, bananas, banana leaves, which in Bengal grow everywhere, with, even if you don't plant them, they just grow everywhere. He won't make much of a business selling bananas and banana leaf cups and things like this. And some, old, some vegetables and this and that. And even then he spent half of his income on worship of the Ganga. And he lived in a ramshackle hut. And he had a, an iron pot for drinking, which iron is 
cheapest and worst, and that also was broken. So he was extremely poor. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nimai Pandit, used to come, come to him every day and practically by force take his goods, his vegetables. So I'm a Brahmin, I'll take it. I said, what can I, what could he say? Well, I, I also have to do my dharma, I have to make some income also. But, uh, he would, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nimai Pandit would, would say, actually I think you're cheating, you have a lot of hidden wealth and you're just pretending to be poor. So in this way he would tease this Sridhara. And then uh, when Nimai showed his uh, Shabta Prahar Prakash, he, for 21 hours he sat on the throne of Vishnu in the house of Srivas and showed his opulence as the Supreme Lord. And all the devotees were called one by one. And then he showed to Sridhar, see, I'm the Supreme Lord. Now you can take from me any opulence you want. What do you want? He said, no, no, I don't want anything. I just want that that rascal Brahmin boy will come, keep on coming and stealing my vegetables. That's all I ask for. So seeing this, the uh, devotees, they became amazed at the good fortune that he had such an attitude. And in this regard, Vrindavan uh, Thakur states in Chaitanya Bhagavat, Dhane Jane Panditye Krishnere Nahipai. By wealth, by power, position, followers, by learning, one cannot attain Krishna. Oh, there's a mistake there. Kebal Bhaktiya Bosh Chaitanya Goshai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes under the control of pure devotion. Uh, similarly, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, when Sanatanga, with the, the narration of Sanatanga Goswami lamenting that I, I come from a very bad background, I was serving the Muslims, the beef eaters and cow killers. Uh, so I, I'm from the very fallen state of society. I'm not fit to serve Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, Nicha jati nahe Krishna bhajane ajoga, which means ayoga. Shadkul vipra nahe bhajane yoga. By birth, low birth is not a disqualification for performing bhakti, and high birth is not a qualification. It's not simply that by having one high birth one is qualified. Now one may say, well, the Brahmanas, they're allowed to worship the Lord in the temple. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Krishna will accept it. <laughs> uh, one may do it as a formality. And one is not barred from worshipping Krishna by being born in a low family. That means you may not be able to do the, the pujas and all these things in the temple, but one can chant the holy name of the Lord and Krishna will accept it if one is sincere. So, same thing. Whoever worships Krishna is actually glorified, and one who is a non-devotee is fallen, rejectable. Uh, Krishna, the worship of Krishna does not depend on a birth, position, or any such thing. Uh, so, what is the... Uh, 
Bhakti is independent but not whimsical. It means anyone can take to a devotional service. Uh, there is one key, and that key is the mercy of the devotees, uh, which may be bestowed upon anyone. But generally, dinere adhik daya kare bhagavan kulin pandit dhani baro abhiman Krishna is inclined to be merciful to those who are very low in society. Because generally those who are born in high families, those who are very learned and those who are very wealthy, they tend to be very proud also. So it's not that by being poor one automatically becomes a devotee. There was Mahatma Gandhi's idea to call the people who are rejected from society Harijan. But that's artificial. It's not simply... It's not being by being born in a high family or a low family that one is qualified to serve Krishna. But the tendency to be proud that comes from a material high position, that is a disqualification. So uh, the mercy of the Lord is required, which comes uh, generally through the mercy of the devotees. From Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mahat Kripa Bina Kon Karme Bhakti Noi Krishna bhakti dure rahu shangshanahi koi. Whatever one may do, if one doesn't get the mercy of the devotees, then bhakti doesn't arise. So there's the same point. One can do very expertly, very assiduously all the rules and regulations of karmakanda, but that won't give rise to bhakti. Or one may study the scriptures and become expert in grammatical rules. That won't give rise to bhakti. The mercy of the devotees is required. Uh, what to speak of not getting Krishna bhakti, one cannot even get free from the material world. One cannot even get liberation. One cannot even get free from material distress without the mercy of devotees. Then, in Chaitanya Charitamrita is quoted another Key verse from Srimad Bhagavatam Rahuganai Tatha Pasana Yati Na Chejaya Nirvapanad Grihadva Na Chandasa Naiva Jalagni Suryar Vinamahat Pada Rajabhishekam Jarbarat, who was living um, completely uh, outside this, he was really nothing to do with this world. He's his attitude was, I got born, now I have to live this life, and when I die I want to go to Krishna. So I don't want to get entangled with anyone in this world. So he just didn't interact with the world at all. He acted as if a madman. But then, uh, at one point, out of his causeless mercy, he started to instruct Maharaj Rahugana. There's no particular reason to instruct him. He was Rahugana was a uh, an arrogant king, or you could just say just an ordinary king. Yeah. When he chastised verbally chastised Jarabharat for not properly carrying his palanquin, that was within his jurisdiction, within his right as a king. Just to pick someone off the road and engage him as a servant. Well, I guess kings can do that kind of thing. You should pay him also. 
But uh, the king has many privileges. But Jarbarat had, had he had been insulted throughout his life for for the way he acted as a madman. But at this point, for some reason, his, that's what we call causeless mercy, he decided to instruct Rahugana. So one of the verses he spoke. When uh, Rahugana Maharaj asked Jarbarat, well, uh, uh, Jarbarat had instructed him, he said, well, how, where did, how did you get this knowledge? How, how did you come to this position? And the answer is, for this verse that I, I just cited, that devotional service is not possible to attain simply by undergoing severe austerities and penances, by gorgeously worshipping the deity, or by strictly following the rules and regulations of the sannyas or the grihastha order. Nor is it attained by studying the Vedas, submerging oneself in water or exposing oneself to fire or scorching sunlight. There's some uh, tapasvi, some, uh, what would be the word, people who perform austerities. Uh, they, uh, they submerge themselves in cold water in the winter. And in the summer, they sit in the sun in the midday with fires lit all around them so that extremely hot and in the winter extremely cold. But Jadbarat says you can't get, one cannot attain this state by any of these means. One has to Srila Prabhupada translates this, taking upon one's head the dust from the lotus feet of a pure devotee. Abhishekam, upon the head. Then another similar verse, similar meaning. Naishangmatis Tavat is also from Bhagavatam. Naishangmatis Tavat Arukramangrim Sprishatyanartha Pagamoyadartaha Mahiya Sang Padarajo Bhishekam Niskinchinanam Navranita Yavat. Unless human society accepts the dust of the lotus feet of great Mahatmas, devotees who have nothing to do with material possessions, mankind cannot turn its attention to the lotus feet of Krishna. Those lotus feet vanquish all the unwanted, miserable conditions of material life. So these verses come in a sequence in Chaitanya Charitamrita. They're giving the, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions, they're giving the essential teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So these essential teachings are summarized in the this particular one that one requires the association of devotees to attain to devotional service. Devotional service is independent but is administered by the great devotees who may give their mercy here, there, as they like, as Jabbarat did to Rahugana. 
for instance. So the conclusion in Chaitanya Charitamrita of this particular uh, group of verses or is sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sarva shastre koi, lava matra sadhu sangha sarva siddhi hoy. That even by a moment's association with a pure devotee, sadhu here means devotee, may not even be the topmost, greatest devotee, but if they have the idea of devotional service, then Bhakti Devi may work through such a person and one can attain all perfection. So on that uh, happy note, I'll finish today's talk unless there are any questions about this. It's, uh, I'm going through in a somewhat systematic way, covering various philosophical points. As we see how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami, there's a sequence, so it's not, it's sequence of instructions. So, so with particular philosophical points being made. So, I'm doing that here, taking quotes from here and there. This is more like a, a class in the sense of a class rather than rather than a satsang in the sense of just you come and you hear something. But this is more, more like systematic consideration of these points. Yeah, okay. Any questions for now? Yeah. Balance Shaivism and Vaishnavism. Worship of Krishna does not rely on worship of any demigod. Then you should see Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu that we should also we may respect the demigods, knowing their position. That they are appointed by the Lord for for service in this world. Lord Shiva's position is not like that of ordinary demigods, but also not fully like that of Vishnu. This is a common question, usually asked by newcomers. <laughs> To give an example, bhakti is not dependent upon brushing our teeth. But in bhakti we also brush our teeth. That's also for maintenance of the body. So in human society, demigods, they are there and we, we respect their role, what they're doing. But we know that, and we don't disrespect them, but at the same time we know that uh, our real business is to worship Krishna. So we don't make a big thing out of it. We don't worship them independently of Krishna. 
And actually we don't need to worship them at all. Okay, Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabhita Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Hare Krishna.